Welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Capps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been this past week? Well, I was, I was absolutely splendid until I took to the five-a-side field in the cold and the rain on Monday night. And I've since caught the mother of all colds. So I've got Lucas Aiden rom-coms coursing through my veins right now. Was it not Steve Bruce's West Brom that's made you ill? So, mate, I, I was, I, I was going to say a, a witty answer, but literally nothing came to my head there. I'm sorry. But also, last but certainly not least, is Jamie Brown. Jamie, how are you feeling after Spurs' shock exit from the FA Cup on Tuesday night? Yeah, I mean, uh, supporting Spurs, I mean, sometimes they're, you know, they're, they're fantastic, but I think, unfortunately, they're just fantastic at kind of surprising me at how low they can get. I mean, so many disappointing results over the years, and uh, yesterday was, was another huge uh, disappointment to have gone out the cup. I mean, as Middlesbrough, I think they're a good side, but of course, then they're pushing for Morris in the Championship, but they're a side Spurs should have been beating, and uh, unfortunately, it's another year without a trophy, so... Uh, yeah, always, always difficult being a Spurs fan, unfortunately. It is indeed. I share your pain there. Right, that's all the intros out of the way, so let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Actually, before we start our latest episode, there's reason to be cheerful again, because it's one that comes in the shape of our Odds on accumulator, getting over the line. Now, James, were you getting slightly nervy when Jamie and I had got two-thirds of the work done before your own effort? Well, as a Derby fan, it was win-win for me, really. If Forrest won, then great, the Acker came up. But if they didn't, then I'd probably feel about 1.5% better than I do now about the situation the Rams find themselves in. I also feel pretty good about my nil-nil correct score prediction for the Carabao Cup final. So I'll make it my duty to bring it up at every single opportunity I can between now and full-time. Good lad. Also, Jamie, we spoke about potential buyer's remorse with Tottenham. I know we've just mentioned them in the cup, but when they were evens to win at Leeds, or there or thereabouts, shall we say, it turned out to be a rather profitable win for anyone who backed Antonio Conte's men at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you just never know what you're going to get with Spurs at the moment. Of course, we had that, you know, we followed the uh, defeat with, uh, to Burnley with a, with a win at Leeds. Um, so, as I said, it's just impossible to kind of predict. But I think if you looked at Leeds' form going into that match, you know, they'd, they'd lost four out of their last uh, five matches. Um, of course, you know, it's four defeats and four now. So they're just in, they were in really poor form going into that game. And of course, it's 17 goals conceded in four matches for them. So they're a side that obviously were really struggling. Of course, and we saw that with Marcelo Bielsa um, being sacked this week. So um, I, I think it was as much as Spurs are very unpredictable. I think Leeds at the moment, they're a side who are really struggling to keep goals out. And uh, that's why Marcelo Bielsa was sacked uh, inevitably. Yeah, we'll get to Leeds in a bit more detail later on, but that's enough about the weekend just passed. It's time to look ahead to the one on the horizon. And although there's a the small matter of a Manchester derby on Sunday, there's also some important business at the bottom of the table. Business that takes us to Carrow Road, and with Norwich playing host to Brentford, James, it's fair to say both teams are desperate for a win. Can we add the relegation six-pointer label to this one? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a huge game for both sides. Norwich... 
will find it very hard to claw the way out of this if they don't get three points. Well, Brentford really need to stop the rot, don't they? I'm all, all over the Canaries, though. There's certainly the value bet for me at two to one on Saturday. They, of course, beat Brentford in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. They've markedly improved under Dean Smith, who wasn't in charge, of course, for that win back in November. And it's also worth noting Brentford's poor record against Norwich. Just two wins in the last 14 attempts. So plenty points towards the home win here for me. Well, Jamie, we've focused on Brentford in recent weeks and their unwanted run without a win. That's now been extended to eight games, one point from 24. Now, should they lose mm. on Saturday, they could be right in the survival mix when it comes to the relegation battle. Can you see that being the case? Yeah, for, for me, I personally think that they're the one side, if any side, are going to get dragged into that um, relegation fight. Of course, with Burnley maybe pushing for the way out, I think Brentford are probably the most likely side to kind of really be dragged into that race. As you said, you know, they're in awful form at the moment. They've suffered seven defeats in the last eight matches. Um, they've, of course, they've played 27 matches, which is more than most of the teams around them. So sides in around the bottom uh, bottom of the table have all got games in hand over them. That's that's a big blow for them. They are now just three points above that bottom three. So I think if anyone's going to get dragged back in, it's going to be Brentford. And uh, I'd agree with James. I do kind of fancy Norwich to get the, the result on the weekend. And then, and then after that, they've got some very tough games coming up. They've got to go to Chelsea away, Leicester away. Manchester United away and then they've got Spurs and and, uh, and West Ham in, in their next eight fixtures um, after the weekend's match. So, yeah, a really tough run of games for them and uh, I think they're in a really bad position at the moment and I can't say, I don't think they'll get a result against Norwich. I think Norwich have been somewhat decent at home. They've obviously just come off the back of a couple of tough games against Liverpool, Manchester City. So, I think that Norwich will, will probably get the job done against uh, Brentford on the weekend. Well, James, Brentford offered nothing against Newcastle. They were slightly better when Christian Eriksen came onto the field of play. That was a, a great sight for all to see after his illness at Euro 2020 last summer. But in terms of the Bees, will they start to place all their expectations on the day in itself? Can he do anything at the weekend? Would you be putting your money on him to do anything at the weekend? Uh, I wouldn't be in a huge rush to do so. And I don't think Brentford are likely to place all their eggs in the Eriksen basket either. I think they've understandably got to be patient with him as he finds his feet back at the top level. Although, that said, it's a game where he's a class above anything else on the pitch when he's on it. So, you know, fans and managers alike will inevitably look to him to provide that bit of magic that could make the difference. But I do think this game might have perhaps come too soon for him. OK then, Jamie. These two teams have been known for conceding goals as of late. Norwich have conceded two or more in their last three outings, a small caveat being the fact they played Man City and Liverpool in that trio. While Brentford, it's a lot worse for them, they've conceded two or more in their last nine away matches. Now... You can get 16-1 to 1 on a 2-2 draw. Is it worth a pound or do you reckon it's going to be more cagey at Carrow Road? Um, yeah, potentially. Um, but for me, I think that the main issue for these two sides is kind of a lack of goal, you know, lack of goals at the moment. I mean, Brentford, they've really struggled for goals recently. They've only scored four in their last eight matches. So, And then you look at likes of Burmo, Tony, they've kind of been off the boil a bit recently. So... Um, Brentford, they've really struggled for goals. They've scored, they failed to score in nearly um, half of their last 15 matches in the league, and they've only averaged uh, just under, a, you know, only averaged just under a goal a game this season. So they're a side that have struggled for goals. And then, meanwhile, it's even worse for Norwich. They've only scored 15 times this season, um, which gives them an average of, of, of uh, 0.58 goals per game. So they've really struggled. And again, you know, in terms of failing to score in matches. They failed to score in in over sixty percent of their games. So two teams that that have, whilst they are poor in defence, I think they're even worse in attack. So I think it will be a cagey affair, and I I, I think this will be a low scoring affair on on the weekend. Yeah, I think 
it might be worth just keeping the pound in your pocket. It seems tempting, but when you sort of see those stats, when they then combine as an opposition force, you kind of then think, actually, they kind of cancel each other out. Also, Norwich, Timu Puki, as a talisman, has gone quite cold, and that's a concern for the, the Canaries. You're right, Jamie, in the sense of their goal average this, this season is quite... Well, it's terrible, really. It makes for bad, bad writing and bad talking about at the bottom of the table. So... It's going to be interesting, and it's also interesting for a lot of other teams in that bottom area of the table, because for weeks it was three out of four, now it's three out of seven, and that makes Leicester leads all the more important come Saturday, because when we stay at the bottom of the table, Leicester are boosted by their own win over Burnley on Tuesday, one which has given them a considerable amount of distance between that and the real relegation battle, so I think Leicester would be in mid-table malaise between now and the end of the campaign, maybe dead rubbers from here on in. And James, the new manager bounce is one which Leeds will hope presents itself at the King Power Stadium. Will that be the case? Well, this is a nightmare of a fixture to call, really. I know Leeds are struggling, but they do have goals in them. And as you mentioned, the Jesse Marsh effect could get them up and running again. But Leicester, on the other hand, completely different proposition with Jamie Vardy back in the team. So you've probably got to give them the nod just about for a home win. It's a pretty generous 5-6, to six, actually. I also think it's worth bumping it up with both teams scoring to give you a nice little 9-4 to four double. Both teams bagged in the last four meetings and despite their shutout on Tuesday, Leicester don't tend to keep too many clean sheets. Now Jamie, in terms of Jesse Marsh's appointment, it would have been easy for Leeds to go for, shall we say, an interim firefighter, I don't know, an Allardyce off the top of my head. I don't think there's many left in that ilk, but that would have been the, the natural direction of travel. However, they've opted for, shall we say, an element of risk. Now Jesse Marsh is no bad manager, worked for RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig, but now he finds himself in the Premier League. It's going to be a gamble, but will the gamble pay off at the end of the season will he be a good fit at Ellen Road yeah I mean just firstly on Bielsa's sacking I was I'm, I'm very mixed on this one because I think you know you've seen the way that Bielsa is able to get this team up I'm not sure this team is, is a particularly strong one and to kind of you know see what he did last year and then maybe at the the earlier stages of the season um, I think you know he's done a great job in showing that he can really get this group of players up for the fight um, they've of course got Liam Cooper and, and uh, Phillips coming back soon as well so that will be a big boost for them um, and maybe it would have been worth kind of holding on but uh, look we, we've known they've obviously got these injury issues and they can't keep going on like that there is also of course the reason the main reason he has been sacked is because he's just shown a real inability to kind of be flexible with his tactics he continued to play the same way Again, I, I do kind of re I, I like that because it's, it showed a real ambition to not just be kind of a safe team and, and just always aim for, for safety. Of course, we saw them have a great year last year and I think that was just down to his ambition as a manager to keep playing a certain way of football um, and not just kind of sit back. But as I said, that's kind of why he got sacked, that inability. Um, I think it'd be an interesting one with Jesse Mars coming in. I, I like the ambition from Leeds again to go for kind of a manager who's, as you said, isn't just kind of a safe option. He's a, he's a guy who will get them playing a particular brand of football, a nice, attractive brand of football as well. Um, but again, it's, it's it's a big risk because, you know, you saw the way he struggled at, R at RB Leipzig this season. Um, they had a lot of poor, uh, poor results. Um, he did do well at Salzburg and, and uh, Rebel, uh, Rebel New York. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how he does get on. I think he's got the personnel there to kind of fit his, his forward 2-2-2 system. Um, of course, you know, you've got Joe Gelher up front, Rodrigo, and then, of course, you've got Rafinha and Jack Harrison as the wingers. So there's definitely players that could potentially fit his system, but uh, it, it's definitely a big risk uh, given the job that he did at Leipzig. 
Now, James, in terms of the next manager to be sat market, you can get two to one at the moment on no other manager departing between now and the end of the campaign. Would you be tempted by that? Or do you think that there's another sacking lurking around the corner? Well, you look through the rest of the odds and nobody really jumps out as a potential alternative. You look at the bottom five. Dean Smith's probably fine at Norwich. Roy Hodgson's just come in at Watford. Burnley wouldn't dream of sacking Sean Dyche, would they? Lampard, of course, just arrived at Everton. And finally, Thomas Frank recently signed a new deal at Brentford. You look up the table, potentially Conte at Spurs, but I think a lot of his talk in the press is just rhetoric to get an extra couple of zeros on his transfer budget in the summer. So no, 2-1 looks like a pretty decent bet to me. What about Brendan Rodgers, James? Because if you think of Leicester, is it fair to say that the only thing keeping him in a job right now is that Europa Conference League run? Were they knocked out by Randers? Or if they don't get to the, the final and win the trophy, let's say they get dumped out in the quarterfinal, semi-final of that competition, could the Leicester board think, do you know what, now's the time? Well, I think they'll get pretty deep into the competition, which will probably take them up to sort of early to mid-April. And I think at that point, Leicester will probably be around mid-table in the Premier League and can't see the hierarchy looking to make a change when there's only, say, a handful of games left in the Premier League season. I think they strike me as a as a board. They'll probably wait until the end of the season before making a change. OK, then, Jamie, let's look at Leeds' month of February. 20 goals conceded in five matches, four on average per game. Eye-watering if you're a Leeds fan. If you were going to pick an over-under bet in the East Midlands, which one takes your fancy on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think definitely an over um, pick will definitely be the way forward. Of course, you see Leeds, as you mentioned there, the number of goals they have conceded. They have also scored a couple of goals. They, of course, saw them score three against Villa um, and two against Manchester United. So they are a side that do have goals in them. Um, of course, for Leicester, they've got Jamie Vardy coming back. Um, like he came back last night and, of course, got a goal uh, against away at Burnley. So that was interesting to see him come back into the side. So I think these two teams, they're going to be full of goals. So definitely an overpick. So potentially an, uh, over 2.5 goals or even at, uh, 3.5 goals. I, I, those are the two that I'd definitely be looking at. And then, of course, just to kind of back that up as well, you've got Leicester. They've got a really strong goal scoring record at home this season. They've scored just over two, uh, two goals a game there at the King Power Stadium. And matches at the King Power Stadium have averaged over three goals a game. So um, I, I definitely think given kind of uh, Leeds' poor defensive record and, and both teams being full of goals, I, th I think this would be a high-scoring uh, game on the weekend. Do you know what, Jamie? I'm going to disagree, only because I love a bit of new manager bounce. And Jesse Marsh mm. has got to identify that weakness at the back. I know they've got key players out, but the men on the pitch have to start doing a job and start showing their worth in the top flight. So I think, actually, it's going to be under 2.5. And maybe Leeds might get something. I think at least a double chance, let's say Leeds will avoid defeat at the King Power, but I also think it will be under 2.5 goals. Because I think also both teams have to kind of focus on their defence at the moment. They've both been really I, porous, so they could end up cancelling each other out. Yeah, I, I just think with with them with Leeds at the moment as well, is that they're just missing you know, there's so many key players now. I and mean, as I said, you know, Liam Cooper's still missing. I think that he's a big blow for them. And of course, Calvin Phillips, you know, I just remember watching him um, when I was at the game, Tottenham versus Leeds, and he was just so fantastic for them. And I think when you're missing those two players, kind of regardless of whether you try to be you know, more defensive. I think to me, missing those two players in defence, I think it's you're always going to struggle. So I, I think you're right. There could be potential for a new manager boost, but I just think missing those two players, I think they're they're still going to struggle in defence. Personally, we'll see who's right come next week. But before that, let's hit our long shot acker section of the show. As always, pick something between two to one and five to one for the weekend. And JB, I'll start with you this week. What have you got for me? 
Yep, so I've got Southampton to win away at Aston Villa. I've got that at round two to one. So, uh, yeah, just just kind of uh, on the threshold there. Um, I think Southampton, they've been in fantastic form recently. Um, of course, they're undefeated in five now. And, of course, you look at that run of games. They've had to play Man City, Spurs and Man United, taking points off of all of them. And they're just becoming a really well-functioned side under under Hazen Hutu. I mean, you look at kind of everywhere around that team. You know, you know, defensively they're really sound. You look at the two wing backs in Livermento and Walker Peters doing fantastic well. Central midfield, Romeo Ward Prowse doing very well as well. And then of course the forwards, Brozier and uh, Che Adams seem to be really on fire at the moment. So um, yes, I've gone for Southampton to win away at Aston Villa. They're certainly red hot in terms of form. James, what have you got for me? Yeah, I've managed to talk myself around to back in Norwich this weekend to beat Brentford. I think bees are very much there for the taking. And if you shop around, the home win is available at just about two to one. OK, then I've gone slightly left field. I'm going to take this to Italy and Serie A, Genoa. Now, they have a fantastic record for all the wrong reasons this season. They've won one game all season. They haven't won in 24, but they've drawn 14 out of 27 league matches. So they are... Hard to beat, but lack a cutting edge. The good news, if there's any, is that they face Empoli at home this weekend. Empoli haven't won in 10, the second worst current streak in the division. So I'm thinking surely a win for Genoa is around the corner, and I'm thinking it's this weekend. So Genoa at 17-10 to 10 might just be the long shot that we all praise, because I, I, it's got to happen at some point. I think Genoa, if you're listening, get the win over the line. But we'll wait and see if that's the case, and who knows, we might be discussing long shot wins next week. Where should we go next, though? Let's go to the Manchester derby on Sunday. And with City having won 15 of the last 17 league matches and United going unbeaten in their last eight, something's going to have to give this weekend. The question is, James, which way do you see this one going? Uh, I'm inclined to go with City, but they don't have a brilliant home record against United, actually. Just one win at the Etihad against them since 2014. Perhaps men do host Sporting in the second leg of the Champions League tie next week as well. But having won the first leg 5-0, they know they can go all out in this Manchester derby. But that said, 2-5 to five for the home win doesn't really touch the sides for me. So a win to nil is my selection here at 29-20. to 20. United blow hot and cold as an attacking force. So that's probably where the value is if you fancy City. And Jamie, after City's efforts in the FA Cup in midweek, it means United will be fresher, if only due to an earlier exit in the competition. Can they make use of their additional rest before Sunday? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Manchester City, they were in action in the FA Cup this week. But... Uh, yeah, you've got to feel really sorry for Man City with uh, the players that have got to bring back in. They've got uh, the likes of Laporte, Rodrigo, De Bruyne, Sil- um, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling all to come back in. So um, I-, I think Man City will be well rested uh, regardless. And as, uh, as James said, they've of course, yes, they've got that Champions League game next week on, on uh, next week against Sport in Lisbon. But it's, they're well clear in that. So uh, I-, I think that they'll definitely have the options to come in and real re- really refresh um, on the weekend and of course you know I think after that Spurs defeat they've they've really kind of realised that they've got a lot of work to do and that Liverpool they're a fantastic side they're playing really well at the moment they're going to be hot on their heels so I think there's lots to kind of keep Man City motivated and keep going um, so uh, yeah I, I think that Manchester City will, will definitely get that the win on the weekend and of course Manchester United I just don't think they've kind of shown enough recently to kind of suggest that they're good enough to go to the Etihad and win course we've seen them draw against Southampton and Watford at home um, and they just about beat Brighton and Leeds recently so I, I'm not sure they're going to have the quality to, to go and beat any City side really but uh, as I said you look at the players that City have got to bring back in or they rested in the FA Cup uh, I, I think City will just have too much quality for, for Man United. And James in terms of 
the top four race at the moment. United slips up at home to Watford. They are blowing hot and cold in equal measures. They're one of the worst teams to back in terms of betting this season. The odds in the top four market have lengthened to 11-4 to four now. Is it slipping out of their hands? Yeah, I mean, Man United aren't really doing a great deal for me at the minute. That 0-0 draw at home to Watford's hardly ideal preparation for Sunday. And this weekend's derby is the start of a very difficult run of games for them. It's Man City, Spurs, Atletico Madrid and Liverpool the next four. So, yeah, I mean, potentially worrying times for Reds fans. They don't pick up win to now and the end of the month. In terms of Sunday's main event, Jamie, if you were to serve up a first goalscorer bet, what direction would it be going in? The blue or the red half of Manchester? Yeah, um, I mean, as I said, I, I definitely think Manchester City will get the better of Man United on the weekend. Um, I mean, for uh, this is always going to be a very difficult task with Manchester City, given kind of their array of of real talent, um, kind of picking who's going to score first. But for me, it's between Riyad Mahrez and Raheem Sterling. Of course, Mahrez is their leading scorer this season with 19. Sterling's got 13 in all competitions. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with Raheem Sterling just because I think there's more chance that he'll start. He's, you know, he started, I think, seven of their all of their last Premier League matches. So he's a guy that's, that's shown he's a real crucial player for Man City at the moment. Mares, he's been benched in their last two league matches, and of course started against, uh, you know, started in their FA Cup match. So I'm going to go for Raheem Sterling for the first goal scorer, and I got that around 11 to two. Good price there. I think it's going to be under 2.5 goals at the Etihads, and I think City are going to edge that one. Might be 2-0, might be 1-0, but I don't think it's going to be a free-flowing affair at uh, the Etihads on Sunday. But if City get three points and they keep their machine going in terms of the league title, I don't think they'll mind too much in terms of goals scored. But if we dial back a couple of hours on that Sunday, Watford play host to Arsenal. And James, although Watford have been good on the road under Roy Hodgson, they've had nothing to shout about at Vicarage Road. So can you see that changing on Sunday? No, I think Arsenal have just come through a bit of a sticky patch in January. They've won three on the bounce and they've been gritty victories as well against Brentford and, of course, two wins over a very tough Wolves side. And, you know, I can't really see Watford getting out of this. It's nine defeats and ten at home. And, well, I do think that they'll probably make life difficult for the Gunners. I like the away win by a single goal margin at 5-2, which would have been a winner in each of those three victories. And, of course, Jamie, if results go in Arsenal's favour and the fixtures are certainly set up for them to do so, you look at Liverpool playing West Ham, the Manchester derby we've just mentioned, they could end the weekend at lying fourth. So do you think the Gunners will take advantage of misfortune elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, look, first I'll definitely with James there in terms of I think it'll be a close, kind of a close affair maybe than it, what it looks like on paper. But, uh, no, look, I think the race for the top four is getting very exciting now. I mean... Um, it's all very even, of course, sides. They're all kind of, you know, there's just a, maybe about five points separating four different teams. So, um, and then you've got four teams. I think they've all got a fantastic chance of potentially getting into that top four at the moment. For me, I personally have Arsenal as, as the favourites right now. But, you know, you look, of, of course, that's almost based on their games in hand and their games in hand being against Spurs, Chelsea and Liverpool. So three very difficult games there. So it's it's just so unpredictable who's going to finish in that top four at the moment. So for me, that's definitely kind of the most exciting thing. I mean, there's so much excitement in the Premier League at the moment. You look at kind of the race for the title, the race for the top four and the race for relegation. There's so much going on. But uh, yeah, very interested to see kind of who gets that final uh, fourth place spot. But uh, in terms of on the weekend, I think Arsenal... That they'll definitely get the job done. I think it'll be a, de I think it'll be a close affair. I think they'll kind of struggle to just about get the win. But uh, I mean, if you look at Watford's recent record at home, they've lost all of their last seven games at Vicarage Road. So I, I think Arsenal definitely will get the win. 
Well, Jamie, you're absolutely right in the sense that the Premier League is heating up the business end of the season, if you will. We've got a proper title race now. We've got seven clubs in the relegation mix. We've got teams from fourth to eighth fighting over one Champions League spot and then the trickle-down effect of the other European competitions is turning into a fascinating season and it's going to take a very brave person to pick who does what in those key markets because it could go many different ways and especially with all these games in hand, the narrative and the sort of skewed nature of the table is just going to blow things wide open. But James, in terms of Arsenal, could they take advantage of Watford for the simple reason that Watford aren't scoring goals? Less than a goal a game on average this season. Is this a game where Roy Hodgson needs to kind of lose, shall we say, his pragmatic ideals? He's very good on the road, as we've just mentioned, but that's not being converted at home. Does he need to be a bit more braver, do you reckon? Possibly, but I do think he's going to look to keep this one at nil-nil for as long as he can and look to sneak something at the end. Hodgson will know that Arsenal aren't big goal scorers, so there's an opportunity for them to sit in and frustrate a side that's hardly been brimming with creativity, shall we say, in recent weeks. I mean, Hodgson, who is 74-75 now, he's got this form of a, a very specific, a very robust style of play, and I don't think he's going to be changing that now in what is probably going to be his final job in the Premier League. Well, we mentioned the uh, no manager getting sacked at 2-1. Surely Watford are due a sacking before now at the end of the season, James? I think they're due two or three by now, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So maybe 2-1 is not a safe price as we first thought. But Jamie, perhaps a safe price is the half-time, full-time bet for Arsenal. They've been the kings of that on the road as of late. It's 31-20 to if that's happened on Sunday. Is that something that takes your fancy? Um, maybe not so much. No. I, as again, as, as again as James said, I think um, it's all going to be about Watford trying to frustrate Arsenal for as long as possible. I think they've got the ability to potentially do that. We of course saw them hold Manchester United to a goalless draw at Old Trafford on the weekend, so they've definitely got the ability to kind of really frustrate Arsenal. So. I think, as I said earlier, I do think Arsenal will get the win. But of course, we have seen also Arsenal, they've struggled maybe to kind of get over, just about get over the line in their last couple of matches. Of course, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we saw them hold to a nil-nil draw with Burnley. They've, of course, got a one-nil win against Wolves, which they just got the job done in that. And then, of course, they got the two late goals in, in kind of the reverse fixture against Wolves. Um, so... I think that they will struggle to beat Watford um, just because I think Watford are going to be such a frustrating team to play against. But uh, I, I think that it will be kind of a, you know, Watford trying to hold them for as long as possible. And I think that that could potentially affect that. And, and maybe the Arsenal won't be leading at uh, half-time. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, before we move on, I'd like a correct score bet from you both this week. Doesn't matter where it is in the world, I just want the outcome spot on. Now, James, I'll start with you. Anything to crow about from last week? Uh, yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned that, actually, because I uh, I went for a nil-nil draw in the Carabao Cup final. I don't like to mention, mention correct uh, tips too often, but that one I just thought, yeah, I've got to say something about it. It's a nice little 6-1 winner, um, so I was very happy when I was collecting my zero pounds from the virtual bookies last Sunday afternoon. But for this week, actually... I'm with Jamie, I quite like the look of Southampton, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for the Saints away at Aston Villa. Villa, really poor record, just one win in 11 against the Saints, and they aren't in brilliant form generally, so you know, there's a chance for Southampton to sneak this one and carry on the good run of form, so you can get the 2-1 away win for Southampton at 11-1. to There's quite the Southampton loving on this week's show, but Jamie, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? Yep, I'm going to go for Liverpool to win 3-1 uh, against West Ham. Of course, that game being at Anfield. I mean, look, Liverpool, they've been full of goals. Maybe not so much on the weekend against Chelsea, but uh, 
I think against, you know, we see them score six against Leeds. They've got three against Norwich so and, and two against Leicester. So they're a side that are full of goals. And uh, I think they'll, you know, they'll definitely be wanting to kind of put a marker down ahead of City's game against Manchester United. Um, and I think they'll go for, a, a, I think it'll be a fairly big win for them. So I'm going for 3-1. Uh, for Liverpool to beat West Ham and I've got that around 11 to 1 so yeah quite big odds with that one but uh, I do think Liverpool will will really be motivated to kind of put on a show ahead of uh, Manchester City's match He has gone big let's see if it pays off on next week's show but there's plenty of other Premier League stories this weekend so let's mop up the best of them now where should we start first let's actually go to Anfield shall we as the Carabao Cup winners go up against West Ham James can you see Liverpool exacting revenge for their defeat at the London Stadium earlier this season? I don't see why not. West Ham have been doing all right away from home in recent weeks, but just two clean sheets in nine on the road. So it's not the best defensive form ahead of a trip to Anfield. Although David Moyes decided to score in plenty away from home. So in the interest of value, I quite like uh, the home win and both to score double at seven to four. But yeah, although West Ham are a decent side these days, I won't be denying that. I think this very much represents a regulation home win for Liverpool. Yeah, I think this could be the week where West Ham see their bubble burst after their four-match unbeaten run. But Jamie, you're off to Turf Moor now as the Carabao Cup runners-up go to Burnley. Can the Blues bounce back from the disappointment of last weekend? How do you see that one panning out? Yeah, I, I think, again, this would be a low-scoring low match. Of course, we did see Chelsea just about get the job done um, at Selhurst Park against uh, Crystal Palace. Of course, they, only, they won 1-0. I think it was in the 89th minute. Uh, Ziyech got the winner. So, you know, they're, they're a side that maybe don't, aren't full of goals at the moment. Of course, they are missing that striker with Lukaku, not really being put in the side at the moment. Um, so, I, for that game, I'm going to go for maybe a, under 2.5 goals for that game. Of course, Burnley, they're a side that will frustrate Chelsea as well. Of course, we've seen them um, frustrate Manchester United, frustrate Spurs and Liverpool. So, um, yeah, a low-scoring affair. But uh, I think Burnley, they look like they're maybe just about running out of steam at the moment. Of course, they've had some great results and, and good performances recently, but they did just lose 2-0 to uh, Leicester. And then, of course, they, they were held to a draw against uh, Crystal Palace. So, I don't think they'll, um, I don't think they'll kind of get a result against Chelsea. And uh, I think Chelsea will just about get, to get the job done. Inform Newcastle, though. They go up against a out-of-sorts Brighton. No loss in seven for the hosts. Three defeats for the visitors. What takes your fancy here, James? Well, I can't say I'm in a huge rush to place a bet on this one. Yes. No, it seems tight, doesn't it? Yeah, Newcastle are in good form, don't get me wrong, but they haven't beaten Brighton in nine attempts. And yeah, real bogey of a start here. They've only scored two goals against them in those nine games as well. And even Brighton will draw a double chance. No, you know, I'm, I find it tough to turn down a double chance bet, but even that one looks a little bit too short to me at one to two, especially when you consider the Jekyll and Hyde nature of their results this season, shall we say. But... I can't see there being too many goals, though, so under 2.5 is my selection here at 7-10. to 10. And Jamie, you're whizzing quickly over to Molyneux now. It's been a good week or so for Crystal Palace. They have advanced in the FA Cup. They have got four points from the last six on offer in the league. Can they get anything from a Wolves side, which have stuttered in the past week or so? Yeah, no, I, look, for me, I think Wolves are still a very strong side. Um, yes, they've of course, they have dropped points in, I think, their last two matches, it's so... Um, but I, I still think they're a, they're a very good side. I mean, as I said, with the central midfielders they've got, and Matinho and Neves, very strong there. Of course, attacking-wise, you know, they've got the likes of Daniel Pedence, of course, Neto just coming back, Raul Jimenez looking like he's back in form. So I still think Wolves are a, a very good side, and I think they'll still continue to push for Europe. Um, I think with, with Palace, yes, of course, they have got four points in, in their last two matches, but... Uh, I think if, if you kind of look, they've only got one win in the last five. So 
And then, of course, it was only a draw at home to Burnley as well. So in their in their last outing. So um, I, I think Wolves will, will get the better of them on the weekend. Yeah, I think the smart money is on Wolves this weekend. Also, the smart money must always be on under 2.5 goals. I don't think you'll get much, but it just seems to be the, the right direction of travel every time Wolves play. So I think Palace have had a good run. That run has given them also breathing space between themselves and the relegation battle below. Had they not got four points, if it was, I don't know, even one, it might have been quite ugly for the Eagles. So um, they're in a good state, but I think their small resurgence will come to an end this weekend. Where are we going next? James, you're fast-forwarding to Monday night now because Spurs are hosting Everton. Hot and cold, one step forward, two steps back, whatever cliche you want. Everton could be in the bottom three by the time they face Spurs, so that's something for Spurs to grab hold of. But the big question is, could Frank Lampard get one over a club he has no time for whatsoever? Well, if there's if there's one team that is very capable of putting in poor performances against sides strongly to perform, then it, you've got to say it's Spurs, especially... Sorry to remind you, after that defeat against Middlesbrough on Tuesday night in the Cup. And Everton have it in them to put in a decent show themselves when they're up for it. They were unlucky not to get a point, of course, against Man City a week ago. But their only away win since August came against Hull in the Cup a month ago. So I do think 3-5 to five is just about value enough for me to back the Spurs home win here. Well, Everton on the road under Frank have been not great at all. A disaster against Newcastle, a poor performance against Southampton. They've got to improve. But as I say, Frank Lampard likes getting one over Spurs. And he, you know, as a player, as a manager, he always had time for success over the White Half of North London. And I've got a sneaky feeling he might just get something on Monday. But Jamie, you're caught in, shall we say, mid-table malaise. No disrespect to Villa or Southampton. But they face each other on Saturday. I think we kind of hinted at the uh, direction of betting for Saturday's match. But the Saints haven't lost in five league outings. I was going to say the double chance for six. But as you've already said, you're confident of a win. Mm, yeah, I, I think that Southampton will definitely get a result on the weekend. I mean, they're in such great form at the moment. I mentioned earlier, five undefeated now for them. Of course, Villa, they've been a very strange side under under Steven Gerrard. I was really expecting them to kind of kick on. But I think, uh, you know, they've only won two of their last seven matches. It was a big win on the weekend against uh, against Brighton. Of course, they, they won 2-0 at, uh, you know, away, away there. So, it was a big win, but uh, ultimately, I think Southampton will just prove to be too strong. I think they're a side that are really kind of starting to hit their heights under Hasna Hootal. Um, just a well-functioning side at the moment. And Villa, they're obviously un- un- in still in the early stages under Steven Gerrard. And uh, I think Southampton, as I said, will will get the better of them. Yeah, when you look at these two clubs, there's not much in terms of difference. I think the head-to-head record is actually the exact same amount of wins per club, which is quite interesting. But also, from a Premier League point of view at the moment, we kind of reference that it's all to play for at both ends. But these are two clubs out of, say, four or five that have got nothing really to play for, bar maybe a top-half finish. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top. But I think I'll join the uh, the consensus and go with the Southampton win there. So if any of those bets take your fancy, check out freebets.com for the best insights, betting tips and offers ahead of this weekend. OK, then let's have a quick drop down to the EFL Championship now. And I guess the pick of the clashes here is Fulham versus Blackburn on Saturday lunchtime. James, Fulham are building ahead of steam. Blackburn have lost theirs lately. Will yeah. it be one-way traffic at Craven Cottage on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. Fulham clearly streets ahead of anything else in this division. And Blackburn really missing Ben Brereton Diaz. And they just don't have the goal scorers in reserve to plug the gap. Had a, a quick look at the Blackburn goal scoring charts before jumping on. I think it was Sam Gallagher who was next in the scoring charts on six goals while Brereton Diaz 
streets ahead on 20 or 21. So, yeah, I think they're going to be struggling this weekend to make much of an impression in front of the Fulham goal. So a home win to nil looks like a really good value to me at 6-4. to four. Now, Jamie, West Brom are still searching for their first win under Steve Bruce. They travelled to one of his former clubs, Hull, on Saturday. Would you be backing them to finally get three points under the former Newcastle boss? Yeah, I mean, look, they've been really poor under him so far. I mean, they've not really made too much of a, a change, have they? I mean, they've scored just once in five, so goals have really kind of been a problem for them. They've suffered four defeats in five under him, so no real shines, signs of improvement. And um, do you know what? I mean, as, as poor as maybe Hull have been, they did just get a win in their, in their last outing as well. So I, I, think Hull, I think Hull, especially with the game... Being at Hull, I, I think that Hull could get the better of them because West Brom, they're just so, they've been so poor under him, under Steve Bruce recently. So I, I actually think Hull could, could, could get a result, definitely. Well, hindsight is a wonderful thing in football. We all know that. But surely the West Brom ball must be thinking, well, do you know what? Maybe we should have kept Valerian Ismail till the end of the season because they are plummeting like a stone and any hopes of the playoffs have all but dissipated. And if they do fail to beat Hull, I think they can kiss goodbye to any chance of trying to get promotion at the end of the season. But James... Towards the bottom of the table, it seems like the tide is turning against Derby County, unfortunately. In terms of takeover talks, though, it's all going a bit quiet at the moment. Are you concerned by that? Or is it a sense of no news being good news? Uh, I'm in the camp that no news is good news at, at this point. The administrators, Quantuma, came out this week and said they were reviewing bids and clarifying a few extra details. And I even think during the course of recording this podcast that the EFL have come out and started to criticise Quantuma further for their lack of progress in any kind of takeover deal so that certainly ratchets up my anxiety a few extra notches but yeah I mean that consumers communication on the whole has been pretty non-existent so I won't really believe a huge deal in Tennessee Mike Ashley holding a sports direct mug aloft at Pride Park I'm afraid. James do you honestly think there'll be enough funding between now and the end of the season? Without storming my way into the Derby County boardroom I mean I can't really give concrete answer to that but Quantuma the the administrators were were very confident of being able to make it through to the end of the season with with funding intact I think we sold eight or nine players as well in in uh, in January to try and sort of keep things ticking over so if we're unable to to get to May we're at what March the second or third now it's it is, it is worrying times and I thought I could come onto this podcast and have a nice leisurely football chat without getting into any sort of Derby County stuff but thanks thanks for this Dan. Well, you had a few weeks off, so I thought I'd best remind you, really, because it has got a bit quiet. And now that the governor has come to Reading, it seems to have usurped Derby's push for safety, really. So yeah. I thought I just thought I'd bring it up again. But anyway, let's move on quite quickly. Jamie, Middlesbrough play host to Luton in a game that could well dictate what happens in the playoff race. It's getting really tight there. A number of clubs eyeing up that fifth or sixth place at the moment. Will 30 extra minutes for the Riverside men on Tuesday work against them at the weekend? Yeah, I'm obviously really delighted to be talking about Middlesbrough again <laughs> after after the result on uh, on uh, Tuesday evening. But anyway, I mean, yes, as you said, it's it's going to be a really pivotal clash in kind of that race for the playoffs. Of course, Middlesbrough, that eighth at the moment. Luton Town, fantastic story to see them kind of now pushing for a spot in the playoffs. Um, but look, Luton, I think they enter in, in the better of uh, the, the form at the moment. They've won five of their last six matches. Um, they've, of course, won at Derby at the weekend as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they're a side that will probably get the better of Middlesbrough. Of course, Middlesbrough, they were beaten by uh, by Barnsley um, in their last outing. So they've shown signs of maybe some slightly faltering a little bit. And they've only won two of the last five as well. So I think, again, with, with the game also being, being at Luton, I think that... Uh, I think Luton will, will win this one. 
Um, and, and they're just in the better form of the two sides at the moment. And of course, as you said, I think that, uh, you know, Tuesday's FA Club clash against Spurs, of course, going to extra time, that will definitely play a part. And uh, I think Luton will, will get the better of the two sides on the weekend. Right, let's do our final bit of business before we all fall out of each other. And that, of course, is the odds on threefold. One that we won last weekend. So let's put our money where our mouths are once again and see if we can get a winning streak under our belts. Now, as always, it's bets of over one to two, but less than evens. I'm going to go first this week. I'm going to copy everyone's homework at Bickeridge Road and go for a simple Arsenal to win at four to seven. So, Jamie, what have you got for me? Yep, um, I've gone for Fulham to beat Blackburn, uh, eight to fifteen. I think Fulham, you know, great uh, flying at the top of the Championship at the moment. Um, you know, they're nine points clear. I think they'll definitely be confident of uh, eventually getting the job done and, and kind of winning promotion and, and winning the division. Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, I think Fulham will get another win on on the weekend against uh, Blackburn. And James, if we win this bet, we'll be in virtual profit from our odds on Akers. So what have you got for me? Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick in the Championship as well. I'm going to go for Bournemouth to beat Preston at 6-5. to five. The Cherries back in their stride with three wins on the spin and Preston's season is just on the verge of petering out. So I'm all on the away victory here. Fantastic. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, very good. I'm going to go and violently blow my nose now. <laughs> good lad. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, no, thank you, Dan. That was, that was a good show. Thank you. Cheers, guys. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>